Hello, I'm Deborah Howell, the host of Understanding School Refusal, a special podcast series from Rogers Behavioral Health. This is episode one of our four-part series where we'll look at some common questions around school refusal. I'd like to welcome Dr. Heather Jones, a psychologist at Rogers Behavioral Health, where she provides clinical assessments, consultation, and supervision of behavioral specialists working in the Adolescent Center for OCD and Anxiety. Such important work. Welcome, Dr. Jones. Thank you. What is school refusal? School refusal describes a set of behaviors associated when children either refuse to go to school on a regular basis or who have difficulty staying in school throughout the week when they're actually there. Um, An important differentiation between school refusal and truancy, so the literature really differentiates these two things, that school refusal is um, associated typically with anxiety or depression where truant students tend to maybe hide their absences from their parents and do not experience that anxiety or a depression that is associated with coming to school. And so those those are two kind of important distinctions. So we're really talking about students who have difficulty um, being in school or staying in school because of se- pretty severe anxiety or depression. It must be just so heartbreaking for the parents. How prevalent is yeah. school refusal? Two to five percent of school-age children are struggling with staying in school. Typically, they're between the ages of five and six and 10 or 11. And the reason that we're seeing these spikes in ages are because these are times of transition, either entering school for the first time, so think going to kindergarten, how scary if we can remember that one, or entering, transitioning from elementary to middle school, or even that transition between middle and high school. Typically, these children actually have average or above average intelligences, and they are, you know, really struggling with staying staying in school or, you know, getting to school when their typical age peers are able to do that without as much difficulty. And when do school refusal behaviors generally begin to occur? So, again, during those transitional times, other prompting events can be stressful life events. So, moving starting a new school. It could be even an unrelated life event like a death of a loved one or a prolonged illness. So there could be experiences in a child's life that have taken them out of school uh, based on medical necessity, for example, and then they have a difficult time transitioning back into school. It's kind of that idea that if we avoid something long enough, we actually build a, a sense of fear about re-engaging in that, that activity and having some anxiety about what it means to go back, go back into school. And this problem, as you can imagine, is much more severe in older children than younger children. It's um, much, the impact is uh, much less on younger children. And, and I think more age appropriate or socially accepted, if you think about a child who's transitioning into kindergarten, it's pretty typical that you'd expect them to be, children at that age, to be apprehensive. Um, It's really when we get into the middle and high school years that, um, you know, that these behaviors become really a significant, more significant problem. I see. Yeah, because we were all scared to death about going to kindergarten. Excited, but scared. Right. Now, doctor, what are some behaviors associated with school refusal that educators and parents should watch for? So the 
challenging thing with school refusal is that there is really um, heterogeneity in the presentation. And what I mean by that is it can really look very different for one child versus another child. Some things that we might see in younger children when it's time to go to school, having tantrums or even running away, like, no, I'm not going to go to school. I'd rather, you know, run away from you just in the house or, heaven forbid, like run down the street when the bus comes. Um, Certainly tearfulness before going to school, something that we see really commonly with younger children and older children are somatic complaints. So stomach aches, headaches, uh, this can even translate into having um, going to see a gastroenterologist because of chronic stomach aches associated with going to school, uh, being in school. And then it could be if we sort of look at the continuum of symptoms and, and things to look out for, just starting to see in your child hesitation about going to school or maybe persistent negative thoughts or statements about school where they didn't otherwise exist. So, you know, I hate school or I'm, I'm not good at, at school, um, even verbal worry. So what if something ha- bad happens when I'm at school? What if I get bullied? What if I fail this exam? Uh, another common behavior is reassurance seeking uh, from parents or teachers. So these are sort of precursors for anxiety disorders, asking, is everything going to be okay? Just that overall apprehension about being, being at school. So those are the early triggers that parents might see. Yes, that's correct. Bullying is just one of those factors. And I think over the last 10 years, we've really seen a transition in bullying to elect on, on electronic form. So it's not just that face-to-face bullying, but maybe I am a child who has no problem going to school, but has recently seen something said about me on social media. And so now I have apprehension about going into school, being there, um, being present with my peers. Um, certainly those those factors that we're, we're learning how to deal with now present unique challenges. Your kid has a tantrum. What do you do? That's a, that's a great question. We're going to talk about um, sort of behaviors, parental behaviors that either maintain or reinforce um, school avoidance. So inadvertently, we, you see your child have a tantrum or say to you as a parent, like, I don't want to go to school or it's scary or I don't like it. And it's hard. It's hard as a parent to force your child or ask your child to do something that's really uncomfortable or that's causing them emotional distress. And so I think we need to, we need to look at single behaviors. So, you know, one bad day at school, one time, I don't really want to go, this is terrible. And then it sort of subsides and they go to school and then that's not an issue. And I think most parents would be able to manage that with just basic, you know, basic parenting, supportive parenting when it starts to become chronic and we're seeing, you know, week after week or day after day of having a difficulty going to school, that's when we're going to, you know, want to make sure that if they, um, you know, we really want to encourage them to continue to go, even though it's hard, even though they might be crying or they're having a hard time. We know that being in school is better than not being in school, even if it's anxiety-provoking. I look forward to continuing our conversation about school refusal with you in part two of this four-part series. Thank you so much for joining us for part one, Dr. Jones. Thank you for having me. 
Rogers Behavioral Health is working each day to ensure those with mental health challenges have access to the highest quality of care and most effective treatment available today. To learn more about the many ways Rogers can help children, teens, families, and schools, please visit rogersbh.org today. That's rogersbh.org. I'm Deborah Howell. Thank you so much for tuning in.